Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon on the air with you for the next couple of hours talking sports. And thanks for uh, giving us uh, some of your time here this morning into the afternoon. BMW of Des Moines guest list, and it is a busy one. Uh, after uh, yesterday being on the road, it's good to be at LifeServe Blood Center uh, over on uh, Southwest 9th. Um, but to give heavy guest list today. So we'll start here in about 10 minutes with Matt Snyder, our baseball guy. Yes, we're not going to leave you baseball fans in a lurch. We will continue to follow uh, the great game that is MLB. Uh, we'll talk to Matt Snyder coming up here in about 12 minutes. Followed by uh, Nick Osen, who covers Iowa State this week. Sadly. It's sad, isn't it? I'm going to miss the kid uh, as he moves on to cover Wisconsin. Uh, but Nick will join us at, coming up here at about uh, 1130. Mitch Holtis makes his return to KXNO after he was with us every day for the most part in the month of August. Chiefs open up the uh, NFL season tomorrow against the Lions. Travis Kelsey may or may not. What are your thoughts? Does he play? No. I don't think he does either. I think there's a... Um, you're on picture. the side of caution. Yes, right? big picture. Yes. But Mitch will probably have a better answer than just a couple of dope <laughs> speculating. Uh, absolutely. So we'll talk to Mitch here at 10 minutes before noon. Then Scott Dockerman on the Hawks at 12.05. We'll get the Iowa perspective with Doc as both Iowa and Iowa State held their press conferences yesterday. And then uh, at 12.30, we'll head to Chicago. Uh, Cappy. Uh, just in advance of the uh, Cubs and the Giants completing their three-game set as the Cubs go for the sweep uh, here this afternoon, taking the last two. Christopher Morrell, a big home run last night. Be interested to see if the Giants have a little bit of a response when he steps into the batter's box for the next uh, for the uh, first time here today. Is a little showmanship out of Morrell when he hit that bomb yesterday. Just a little bat flip, huh? But it was pretty good. Did you see the shot from behind home plate? That was so cool. Perfect, wasn't it? And seeing the crowd and their yes. reaction and looking at the the bleacher bums out there, that was a cool, cool shot. No, it was outstanding. Loved every second of it. And uh, obviously the Cubs took another step forward to uh, stamping themselves as a wild card team. Look, the division is still very much uh, in play. So that's the BMW Des Moines guest list. Trent's Plays of the Day. Circus Sports sponsor those. Uh, they'll come up here at about 10 minutes before the hour of 1 o'clock. So we are one day away from NFL lifting the lid on another season, much anticipated season, as they absolutely always are can't wait what's your squad going to be like what uh, do have you taken a look at your i I know you have Mm -hmm. have you kind of zeroed in on where you think your bears are going to be uh not very good six wins seven wins yeah that sounds about and the total is seven and a half yeah it'd definitely be an underplay i just the defense makes me incredibly nervous Mm -hmm. that's a definite part of it offensive line has been in shambles they've been so banged up and so injured and Justin Fields had that great touchdown pass in the opener. Yeah. And a whole lot of... Eesh. I'm kind of with you, Trent, and I'm disappointed that, uh, because I thought that um, you know you were going to see a legitimate step you forward. You tried to sell me. I did. And look, I'm not giving up on him yet, and I don't think Bears fans should either, but I get why you're a little bit apprehensive because you've been there, done that as far mm-hmm. as the quarterback position. Anything out of the press conferences yesterday that um, um, you know, stuck with you? Uh, in either Iowa or Iowa State, 
uh, Anderson. I don't know if that was bulletin board material that he's, you know, opportunities. That's what he sees when he yeah. sees Iowa State secondary. They're very good. Yeah. They're very good. We've got, we've got two really, I think, um, maybe above average secondaries in the state of Iowa. One in Ames and one in Iowa City. Two strengths of those football teams. They can use it as bulletin board material. Yeah, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. No. Are, are suddenly they're going to, what, guard Seth Anderson harder? Yeah, no. Of course not. Ball kicks off. Bulletin board material right. is over. Yeah. And you know what? After the game, if Cade McNamara goes 8 of 21 with three interceptions, they'll say that. Sure. But it doesn't matter in no. the grand scheme of things. I don't think it does either. The There's one game that the build-up to it, and everybody bought this hook, line, and sinker. I always go back to with bulletin board material, and we're waiting. You just wait. was the 2009 Iowa-Penn State game. 2008 iowa Dashed their hopes of a national championship. They're cruising mm-hmm. along. They're, what, 8 9 and 0, mm-hmm. ranked third in the country. They're going to play. Joe Pa's going to get another shot at a national championship. Right. Be, Iowa beat them. And the next year, they go out to state college, and there's no way Iowa can win this game. And Iowa won the game. Yeah. It, that whole narrative, that bulletin board material, it works afterwards. And teams will use it afterwards, and you'll hear yeah. it. But it re- once the ball kicks no, off. No, 100% right. That doesn't matter. And this is in nobody's mindset. Like you say, they're not gonna they're not gonna cover him any closer. <laughs> Fred Barr for the Iowa State game. He said before, I hate the color red. And it went on and yeah. on. And then Iowa State beat him. Yeah. It's just those things, they don't matter. Once the ball is in mm-hmm. the air, you're not going to change what you're going to do. Do you think that Haycock now is He's up. Well, we got to find a way to stop Seth Anderson. Come on! Everything has changed after he said those words. Well, yesterday. now he said that. Now, yeah. no, I'm going to pull out this game plan. Right, right. right? I've been saving this one for this moment. We're going to bracket Seth Anderson. That'd be a terrible game plan. It would be awful. Right. No, they got two the tight way. ends that are going to be yes. running wild. Right. Yeah. But you know what? Seth Anderson had one catch for two yards. We got him. <laughs> and we lost 24 to 10. Yeah. No, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah, because Lachey and I'll combine for 15 catches uh-huh. and 150 yards. No, you don't do that. And this is not going to change anything. I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in studio and uh, we got the TV on and, and it's the U.S. Open. Have you ever had a desire? I mean, is, is this on your bucket list? Is this something you want to do? It is. Really? I, I have a cousin that. Went to college. He went to law school at Columbia, yeah. and he said he went there one time and said it's absolutely incredible. Everybody really? that I've talked to that has been there, and he heard a lot from New Yorkers, but there's just something about it. It's not high up there, but it's something. And when this comes around every fall, I would like to get out there. You sometime. would. You know, I watched a lot last night. In fact, I didn't get to Hard Knocks last night because I was watching the quarterfinal match with the two Americans huh. and watched Shelton. Got that. Well, I also put a bet on it too, but right. thought I had no chance against Tiafo, and I was really intrigued by it. And it was fun seeing also have an American, you know, a young American at twenty mm-hmm. years old in Sheldon that you know gets you a little bit mm-hmm. excited. And we actually have Americans that are playing this, yeah, late both a, men and women. Right? Right. This is something that's a rarity, and yeah. it has hurt tennis so much. We Not having about, an American, yes, uh, that was worth a damn. We talked about Agassi and Connors yeah. and Sampras, and, and for me, and you go back even you know another ten, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Tennis over the last two decades, and though we've had great champions, mm-hmm. it has fallen so Trent, I far I used to down. watch it constantly in yeah. the 70s. I loved it. I, same thing. Yeah. I, I get Boris Becker and Yvonne Lindell and, and then Jimmy Connors and into Agassi and Michael Chang when he made that run. Yeah, Remember how big that, that was? That felt monstrous at mm-hmm. the time. Was that 1990, 91, Boy, right in that know. range when he made the run as a 20-year-old? And we haven't had it for two decades. It has been 
Nadal and Federer and Joker. Rinse and repeat. And those three guys have just dominated it. And though we had Serena and Venus, Mm -hmm. and that was great, but for the men's game, just how much it has fallen back into, I think, any casual sports fan. There's a a game with a ball on, you're going to watch it, right? If it's something big and important, Mm -hmm. but tennis has not had that. Hopefully it's coming back because it's I a just, sport I enjoy. I just don't know if it's our crowd. I mean, would you fit in with that group? Well, there's a there's a court that you would fit in incredibly well. What is it? I think it's court 17. Oh, Google. I think it's court 17. Okay, what is it? There's a, always talk of smoke billowing uh, from oh, that area. Sure. <laughs> in fact, there was one uh, one of it's the legal players, in New York. Yes, that not in uh, not in public. I'm thinking that but. mentioned it was a little difficult to breathe at times over on I think court, court 17. 17. I US, think that's the one. Court 17, U.S. Open. There's actually yeah. Southwest corner of the ground state of temporary seating. Uh, well, it doesn't say anything about the pot capital of the tennis world. Court 17. That would be where you would be going. Interesting. You'd be well, watching I don't the mixed think, doubles over there. Yeah, I don't ever think I'm going to go. It just doesn't move my needle. No. I've never been to New York either. Oh, Trent. I know. That's something you got to do. Oh, New York is spectacular. I love it. I love it. If I would have got there for the first time and I was in my 20s, early 30s, I'd have been in New York. I turned yeah. down a job in New York. 1997, 1998, I was calling races at Prairie Meadows, mm-hmm. and they reached out to the suits at Prairie Meadows for permission to talk to me. I said no. You turned it down. I turned it down. I'd never been to New York at the time. I got to New York in November of 2001. Oh, I got wow. to ground zero when there were still all the pictures of the missing mm-hmm. stapled to fences and everything. I was eerie. So wow. I'll never forget it. Anyways, um, so your opinion on Cyhawk uh, from, you know, we're at the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. A- anything changed? I, I still think, I mean, I have no idea who's going to win the football game. Now yeah. that's changed because all winter long I was, you know, I was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Same. And now? I'm not so sure. Absolutely not. The ground game looked questionable. Uh-huh. Kate McNamara is going he to play. The Half of the playbook is gone. Yeah, you, you can't bootleg. You uh-uh. can't waggle. He's, how much shotgun are they going to have to use? And Iowa can't run out of Constantly, shotgun. I think. Iowa cannot. They have shown, as they've at least tried to implement it over the last couple of years, they can't run out of the gun. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I had this question. Can Iowa win this football game without a plus in the turnover differential. That is something that they have dominated here recently Mm. in this game. Can Iowa win this football game minus one, even even? I don't know if they can. I think it's, um, from what I saw, and look, both teams left us wanting more, (laughs) I think. Um, But certainly there were some positives out of both teams. Mm -hmm. I think maybe more positive out of Iowa State because my bar, what what my expectations for Iowa State was set so low. Mm -hmm. Conversely, for Iowa, it was set so high. So maybe I'm, you know, I'm um, grading on an unfair curve, if you will. Um, (sighs) I don't know. Short of turnovers, special teams goofiness. We've certainly seen that before. It's going to be ugly. It's Mm going to be 13 10, 17 13. Has the has the total moved at all? Uh well it bounced around when it originally came out, right? Yep. We saw that. Let's take a look here and see where we currently sit with the over under and all the places out there and how much movement there has been. All right, bring up college football, go to Iowa, Iowa State. Right now we are at thirty six and a half at circa. Uh thirty six and a half pretty much across the board. DraftKings has a thirty six. Line remains at four. Let's see the movement at circa though. And uh, what we've seen out of that with the total. Yeah, it got down to, after they posted it, at 1 o'clock, 
One o'clock in five seconds. It hasn't broken down by the second I love those. 35 and a half was the opener at Circa. Yeah. Five minutes later, it got down to 33 and a half, and then the buyback happened. It got as high as 37, and now it's settled at that 36 and a half number. Mm. And that's where it has remained for the last three days now. It is stuck right at that 36 and a half. Going to be fascinating. 2.30. Jason Benetti. Uh, on the call, and he is uh, really, really, really good. Um, and sadly, his baseball team, I don't think I'll watch another White Sox game, so his baseball broadcasting, at least for me, is probably over. Oh, did he draw playoffs? Does, um, d- did did he draw any playoffs, do you know? I didn't see. Did you see? The, was there a release out there? That I don't has know. I'm not, I'm not sure what Fox has for playoffs other than the big one, mm-hmm. uh, um, the World Series, with TBS and ESPN involved anyways. All right, speaking of baseball, Matt Snyder coming up. We'll get to him uh, here momentarily. Spend a few minutes talking baseball with Matt. Big win out of the Cubs yesterday. Big win out of those Twins yesterday. Uh, it seems to me like the Twins now seven games up with, what, three weeks left in the season. Um, I know Twins fans are a little apprehensive that you don't want to count your chickens, but boy, oh boy, I think you can go ahead and you know take your socks off if you have to and count those chickens because man, they just seem like they're home free, right? I just don't see them coming back to the back to the pack. The wild cards are in both leagues are going to be so much fun, so much fun down the stretch. So many teams. I mean, there's four teams, um, well, three teams, I guess, in the American League, but over in the National League. Oh, baby, buckle up that last wild card. And the Cubs have got some distance now on the Reds who are holding on to that wild card. But the Marlins are there. The Snakes are there. Giants, this would be a big spot for them to get out of town at least with one win uh, today over the Cubs. Let's talk to Matt Snyder. Uh, writes for baseball. Writes on baseball at CBSSports.com. Matt, first of all, appreciate your flexibility this week with the short week and Iowa, Iowa State week. It kind of dominates things in this state. So thank you, Matt. How are you? Hey, sure thing. I'm good. Um, you know, it's uh, looking like we've got a lot of fun coming here uh, between the AL West, the National League Wild Card, a lot of fun coming up, so I'm excited. I, I am too. Um, I was more excited about the Rangers when they were leading the division, just on a personal, because yeah. I had a big futures ticket on them. What has happened to this team? I know they've, uh, um, I mean, they're, it, it's just... Can you pinpoint what has gone wrong? Is it all of a sudden the Astros, Somewhat. their lights gone on, the Mariners likewise? What what has happened to the Rangers? Uh, the Rangers, offensively, they're not nearly as stellar as they were toward the start of the season. Josh Young going down with a broken thumb was a big deal, obviously. Yeah. But there were they had some guys who were probably playing over their heads, and that's come back a little bit. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is the pitching staff as a whole. In the last two weeks, they have the worst starting pitching ERA in baseball. They have the worst pitching ERA in baseball. The bullpen has completely melted down. Um, wherever you want to look at, the, at the, on the pitching end, it's pretty much been awful. And in the times that they do get good pitching, something goes wrong. Like, look at, I think it was Friday, Scherzer. It was like a one nothing Rangers lead through six, maybe, with, with Scherzer on the mound. And then immediately the Twins put a five spot on him right after Scherzer came out of the game. And so it's like, even when it looks like, oh, hey, they're going to win one, they're going to get good pitching here, something falls apart. Uh, so And, you know, they've just been bludgeoned the last two nights by the Astros. So, it's yeah, it looks like everything's completely falling off the rails. They were, it, they're 4-14 and in their last 18 games. Before that stretch, they were up three and a half games in the AL West. 
now they're not even in the playoff picture. Mariners, Blue Jays, Rangers. Would you put in that order, two spots for three teams? Yes, absolutely. And, and the thing about the Blue Jays is, and I know Ken can attest to this because <laughs> he knows it all too well, yeah. they've been mediocre yeah. a lot more than anything else yep. this year. But 15 games over 500 in a playoff spot right now, sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, look at the 2021 Braves. They, they never got over 500 until the second week of August, and then they just took off. If you get hot at the right time, you can do it. And the Blue Jays certainly have the talent. Now they'll need Bichette back. They'll need Chapman back. But if you look at the kind of playoff rotation they could run out there, if you look at the offensive firepower potentially, um, now you need to figure out why Vlad can't hit at home. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> there's enough talent there that you could see a run to the World Series. Orioles have the best record in the American League. Yet, would you be confident calling them the favorite? Or no. do you go back to old reliable, the Astros or somebody else? Yes. Absolutely. Astros. It, yeah. it's, it, it, the weird sweep over the weekend by the Yankees in Houston, notwithstanding. Right. They still won 7 out of 10 overall. It looks like everything's starting to come back together. Uh, Christian Javier has been broken for most of the year. He finally had a good outing. Fromber Valdez and Justin Verlander, it looks like now they've got the band back together right atop the rotation now that they got Verlander back. Jose Altuve, even before these last two days where he hit five home runs, was already hitting like his MVP self, and now he's just into another stratosphere with these last two games. Uh, Jordan can be as scary as anybody in baseball. And, and down the lineup, you're getting stuff like Michael Brantley is off the injured list. He's got a month to kind of get acclimated here. Kyle Tucker having a great year. Chaz McCormick under the radar having a great year. Um, Jeremy Pena has really hit well after a really, really slow first half. So there's a lot of reasons to believe in the Astros right now, and it really does look like, oh, man, here it comes again. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about those Cubs. Got a nice win, boy. They're this is a fun, to, a fun team to watch uh, most nights, anyways. Uh, Hendricks, I don't know if he's ever going to be Kyle Hendricks of old again. I mean, he he does enough uh, to get you through. What he got five and a third last night. You know who yeah. I think is under, maybe not underappreciated amongst his team, but I think Cubs fans that watch this team night in and night out maybe overlook the contribution of a guy that I didn't think was. I mean, Jan Gomes, really. This is your answer? Yeah. He's been phenomenal, Matt Snyder. He, he's been – he works really well with the pitching staff. Um, he, he's streaky offensively, but he's had a lot of big hits, a lot of big hits. It's uh, and, and, you know, he's not a middle-order guy like Wilson Contreras was, but when he's down there in the eight-hole or so, he can sneak attack you offensively, and he's been doing it the last couple days. Uh, it's – yeah, it's been a really pleasant surprise because of how everything with uh, Wilson Contreras went down. And then you got Miguel Amaya back there with him, the up-and-coming youngster. It's a good tandem. You've got the, the grizzled veteran kind of teaching the, the high-upside youngster. and It's a nice tandem back there, for sure. Let's get into the Cy Young race. Gossman against Cole down the stretch. He can mm. throw in you know, a guy like Kirby with the Mariners. He can throw in... Romber Valdez, even Sonny Gray for my twins, but it feels like a two-guy race in the American League. Is that how you see it? And who would be your favorite yeah. right now? I, I think I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. Yeah, me too. And uh, it just there, there's nobody 
in baseball. He's actually gotten – I know it's hard for people to, to wrap their arms around it when I say underrated or maybe underappreciated better because, you know, he started the All-Star game. He goes to the All-Star game every year. He has that gigantic contract. He plays for the Yankees. Maybe it's more of just taking for granted how reliably good he is to get you well over 200 innings, not get hurt, work deep into games, keep his team in every single game that he takes the ball. I, I really do think that he's not like a Hall of Fame level or anything, but I think he's gotten underappreciated for just what kind of a good workhorse he is. I, I mean, like I said, it's if you think about – and a lot of people don't think this way, but from a fantasy baseball perspective, if you're going to take a pitcher in the early rounds, almost every other guy you think about, oh, he's got injury concerns, or oh, I'm worried he's not going to strike out enough guys, or I'm worried about he's not going to pitch enough innings. You have none of those concerns with Cole at all. He's going to have a big workload every single year. He's going to have a pretty good ERA. He's going to strike out more than a batter per inning. He's as reliable as it comes. And I think this is finally his coronation after two runner-up finishes, two fourth-place finishes, and a fifth-place finish so far. And I was just thinking about names like Chris Dale or Mike Mussina, Kevin Brown, Nolan Ryan, Kurt Schilling, who were there so close so many times and never got their Cy Young. It feels like this is finally his Cole's time. Are you telling me none of those guys on that list have a Cy Young? Correct. That's unbelievable. Zero among that group. Absolutely yeah. well. Right? In the National League, Justin Steele, his performance the other day, incredible. It looks like that Snell's going to win it and win it in the other league yeah. and be the seventh guy ever to do that. But Spencer Strider, Ugh. I know win record's not supposed to matter. It is still, it's people that are making this, and you see that 12-9 and nine next to Snell, as good as he's been. The Padres have been out of contention for two months now. Strider got a chance to chase him down and, and throw Steele in the mix, too. Absolutely, yeah. If you're going to say the sixteen and four on Strider, sixteen and three on Steele, yeah. mm-hmm. I think they're both right there. Strider, it's it's going to be a case on, and let's say if he finishes strong, um, the strikeouts. I mean, he's got two hundred forty-five strikeouts right now. A ridiculously huge gap between him and everybody else. I ha- I haven't done the math. I'm not going to try to do it on top of my off the top of my head right now. See how many starts he has left. But let's say he gets to three hundred strikeouts. Um, maybe a run higher ERA than Steele. Um, let's say they both get to around 20 wins. Man, that'd be awfully tough to say you're taking Snell over those two guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then you, you might say, how much more do you value Strider's 300 strikeouts or do you value Steele having a whole run lower ERA there? It, it, it would be a tough decision. I don't have a Cy Young ballot this year, so... While I would love to weigh in on it, I guess maybe in a way I'm relieved that I don't have to try to figure it out because it's always interesting to me on these votes. It's a lot easier if they all have similar stat lines, right? Because you can figure out, hey, he has a little bit better ERA. They're similar in wins and losses, similar similar in innings, similar in strikeouts, so I guess I'll go with the lowest ERA. But if they're all over the board and there's separations in different stats and you have to figure out how they all converge, that's tough. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports. My, my last thing for you. What did uh, we learn about the Dodgers and the Braves? Was that a statement series for for Atlanta taking three out of four uh, in L.A. over the weekend? Or is that just, it you know, wonderful like four games in a long season? It definitely felt like it. It felt like the Braves were asserting, hey, we're way better than these guys. Mm-hmm. You said after they won 
24 of 28 coming in, the Dodgers had. And then the Braves just smack them around in the first three games like that. And then even in the Sunday game where the Dodgers won, that thing was competitive. Uh, and, and the Braves were on the back end of a three-city out west road trip. And they still almost swept them in four. Um, it, it seemed like a statement, but the other thing that when I when I got a little distance from it, we've see, we see these things all the time happen late in the regular season, and then it just gets turned around in the playoffs. So um, while it definitely felt like a statement, I don't think that it, it definitely means heading in the playoffs the Braves are one hundred percent going to be way better. Right. No, it doesn't mean that. Now I do worry if I'm in the Dodgers' shoes. I still worry about that playoff rotation, especially, especially now, now that they've got the Julio Urias yeah. situation. Uh, and Clayton Kershaw last night, he still doesn't look good. Nope. Um, is Lance Lynn going to be their game one starter? Mm. What's going on with Walker Bueller? He's on his rehab for coming back from Tommy John surgery. He could be an X factor. But, um, you know, then you're looking at Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio. It's going to be interesting to see how the rotation shakes out. But, by no means do I think the Dodgers are as tough and out in the playoffs as they looked like they might be in August. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, where he writes on baseball. Matt, thank you. We will talk to you Tuesday back in your normal 12.05 time slot again. Thanks for being so flexible this week, sure Matt thing. Snyder. Appreciate it. Take care. Yep, good to talk to you. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports, as we catch up on baseball. End of an era at HBO. Uh, real sports ending after a 29-year run. Really? Real sports, gone. 29 years. can't believe it's been that long. It's it's amazing that it's been that long. Um, We never, I don't think we touched on this. Chris Mortensen retiring, Mm -hmm. 33. I mean, he's not well. Nope. um, But boy, what a run he had. Mm -hmm. Jesus. One of my favorites. Yeah, he was was really good. He was really good. Uh, Kind of a pioneer in that genre, right? Mm -hmm. We'll take a time out. We're going to talk to Nick Oston on Iowa State next. Miller and Condon on a busy week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wednesday's Des Moines Sports Station 106. Golf Today. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Uh, Nick Oson covers Iowa State at least until the end of the week for 24-7 SportsCycloneAlert.com. Uh, Nick moving on to cover uh, Wisconsin, uh, but with us uh, through the Cyhawk game. In fact, Nick is going to join us on Monday to recap it uh, for his final appearance, at least till Iowa plays Wisconsin. Hello, Nick Oson. How are you? I'm doing really, really well, my friend. How are you, Ken? Doing well. You got the packing going on at the house? Yeah, this place looks a little bit crazy. I actually I, I had to do kind of a national 
uh, hit with CBS for this game coming up, and it's hard to cover some of the boxes and stuff. Place is a mess right now. Gotcha. Uh, Nick, I want, to, uh, I want to start with TJ Tampa with you. Uh, Trent pointed this out yesterday on the show. Uh, I just thought that, you know what, uh, you and I did not throw to his side of the field because I never noticed Tampa at all in the football game, which, you know, on one hand isn't surprising because you would think that they would game plan to let's go to the other side. Um what was going on there, Nick? Saw a bunch of Williams, number 31, and not that he looked out of place by any means. I just um, was kind of surprised that TJ Tampa was only on the field uh, for uh, 17 defensive snaps. Yeah, definitely, Ken. And, and as you mentioned, John Tez Williams, he actually looked really good. I was impressed uh, with a lot of what I saw from him. He graded out pretty well. You know, it's interesting. I got the sense from... I guess asking around a little bit, but really just kind of the overall feel. Uh, because if you look, there were several kind of key players that did not play much, if at all, in the second half. I got the sense that it's an opportunity to give uh, some younger guys, you know, more shots in real game reps. I think that there was somewhat of a trying to be kind of considerate and concerned uh, with cramping up in that type of heat. And while it didn't necessarily come up in the presser. Uh, right after the game, we did get to speak with T.J. Tampa yesterday, and at least certainly uh, based on that and kind of getting to be in a group with him a little bit with the media and certainly just reading his excitement and the team's excitement for this week. I think all is good. I got the sense it was just kind of that. I was a little surprised that Miles Purchase still played uh, the normal amount of snaps, but outside of that, I didn't get any sense of, like, worry or, or big-time injuries or anything like that from TJ Tampa or most of the team. It sounded like there was some legitimate cramping going on with four or five starters, uh, but for the most part, came out of week one pretty clean. 48 offensive snaps in the football game. Kind of a crazy number, but mm-hmm. you know, clock changes certainly have changed that. And just the way that game played out, we saw 37 of them for Rocco Beck, 11 for J.J. Cole. After listening yesterday, post-game press conference after the UNI game, do you anticipate this thing's tight throughout? It's it's a 13-13 game. Is this a two-quarterback system, or is this Rocco Beck's game? Yeah, Trent, you know, I, I think that both staffs, really, uh, uh, but specifically Iowa State, as you ask, I think that they're saying all the right things in terms of both gamesmanship as well as boosting the confidence of the room and some of the younger players, like a J.J. Cole, obviously transfer Tanner Hughes, but I think the fact that Coach Campbell even said Rocco's put himself something to the effect of in a great spot uh, to be kind of the starter. Trent, I expect that unless, you know, there's just a, a moment or a package that really makes a lot of sense for maybe JJ, who's got a big arm, or Hughes with some mobility, I think Rocco's the guy. Mm-hmm. I think that he checked off every single box that I had uh, going into week one. I think that he was maybe. An inch or two off on a couple deep shots. I mean, if you hit one of those, 11 for 13, that's about 80% completion. would have been four total touchdowns with his rushing score. I think that he looked good. And just speaking with him, and we got him at length a little bit Saturday and yesterday, certainly operating as if he's the guy. I think that he's got a good hold on the offense. And like the, like the whole room, really, specifically Rocco and J.J., I think these guys trust him. And I think when you lose somebody – that had talent and was expected to be the guy in Hunter Deckers. You know, trust, confidence, and poise are really, really important, and I think Rocco checked off those boxes in week one. 
Uh, a lot of young guys, uh, Nick, uh, played significant amount of time uh, in the football game. And, and what I really appreciated about you over the uh, the time you spent with Trent and I is none of these names really caught me off guard. I mean, you've been talking about Brommer and Burkle um, and, and Klotz going back to last year and Sadowski and Bacon and McLaughlin. A lot of young guys saw a significant amount of time, and, and I know that you've said in the past that they are incredibly high on last year's class, the class before that, and now we're starting to see some of those kids uh, see the field more often and live up to kind of the hype uh, that surrounded them in advance. Absolutely, Ken. You know, thank you so much. I, I've got to say, Steve Klotz and Caleb Bacon, those are some of my favorites because, you know, even when I had heard about them, they were new to me, really. You know, Steve-O last fall, Bacon back in the spring. I think it speaks to a couple things. Obviously, recruiting, I, I think, has done really well. I'm, I'm telling you that 23 class, staff is very, very excited about things. I think you're seeing more of the guys class of 2022. You mentioned a couple, Ken. You know, even a guy like Jeremiah Cooper, maybe mm-hmm. the best player on the field in that game. Still just a second-year man. I think it's really impressive. I think, again, it speaks to the evaluation element, development, and these guys have come in ready. I mean, one thing I am going to miss, and, and I've kind of been consistent with this, is you get to know specifically that 23 class. I spent a lot of time on because it was kind of my first full one here. And it's a cool thing to kind of cover a full recruitment. You hear good things, and then boom, it's game week, and you're seeing J.J. Cole, Abu Sama, Jamison Patton, all these local stars getting action really early when it matters. And I think I'll add there, and I'm sure we'll touch on the running backs, I think Abu Sama might have even slightly exceeded my expectations, uh, certainly compared to the whole room in week one, as we saw. I think that he's a guy, I don't see a single chance that he redshirts, and I think he was one of the most electrifying players on the field first game. Iowa State wins this football game if? Yeah, definitely, Trent. You know, I've hit on that a couple times this week. I think one, you know, it's, obvious and it's always repeated i I think can't lose the turnover battle i argue that you have to win it but you can't lose it certainly i think that it's hard to be more efficient offensively uh than this team was in week one but i would just say continue to be efficient and then essentially that front six basically in this defense has to play really well i think that the front three did I think that a couple mm-hmm. linebackers like Bacon, like we mentioned, Gary Vaughn, a lot of guys graded out well, but against a certainly better, more physical, more talented team in Iowa when compared to you and I, of course, is different opponents. I think the execution has to jump up even a hair more for a couple guys. I mean, I'm really kind of looking closely at things, but I haven't been shy about it. I'm not sure if we'll do a prediction, but you know, I thought Iowa State could win this game going into week one. And after seeing, of course, the whole Iowa State game twice and much of Iowa's game, I'm even feeling a little bit better about their chances. I think that if they had a more ex- uh, experienced quarterback right now, it would be an easy pick for me. But even so, I think that Rocco has looked really good. And I think if you do those two or three things, Trent, Iowa State's got a fantastic shot not only to cover but to win this game second year in a row in the Cyhawk matchup. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Nick, uh, the, the wide receivers, obviously, look, um, 
Beck fell in love with the tight ends. It's it's hard not to when you see uh, the opportunities that they're going to have, the size that they've got, um, and and the matchup nightmare that they provide. But yet at some point, going to have to see more of Higgins. Wide receivers got to be a little bit more involved, Nick. Was there anything said about that either yesterday or following the game on Saturday? Yeah, I'd say there was a little bit, a little bit of fun with Rocco in a group. Just basically, you know, the tight ends were open. Occasionally, the first read for what he was looking for. So I think that's why they were uh, even more heavily utilized compared to the wideouts. I think if you hit on again in one of those one or two deep shots, that certainly makes it look a little more involved for the wideouts. And then, quite honestly, Ken, I got the sense that you know I think we could say this about both of these programs. I don't think that either team really emptied out the playbook, per se, in the second half of their respective games. I think they're really kind of being smart and keeping some things uh, a little closer to the vest going into a pretty big rivalry game here this weekend. I think that Jalen got a good look Mm -hmm. in terms of targets in week one, and I think Jaden Higgins has to be utilized more because he still is one of the most talented players on this offense. And I think he's going to show that this week and as we get a little bit closer to conference play. Nick Oson, 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert.com. Uh, your replacement is on the ground, and um, I saw he wrote his first piece. How do we say his last name? Is it Bussy? Bussy, yes, sir. Yep. Well, we will um, make him a part of the rotation here next week. If you see him, I'll reach out to you and get some contact information, make introductions that way. Anxious for him to take over, but you're going to be missed, Nick Oson. We'll uh, talk to you on Monday uh, to recap Cyhawk. Appreciate what you do for us, Nick. Thank you very much. Uh, anything you'd like to promote between now and uh, Monday? I'm looking forward to it, guys. I would just say we've got a couple good uh, recaps going a little bit for some of the visits that will be happening this weekend. Maybe the largest uh, group of players coming in, certainly high caliber, coming to visit for Cyhawk weekend, including a lot of in-state talent. Good stuff. So you folks that like recruiting, uh, they'll keep you up to speed at 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert. Nick, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Yep. Good to talk to you, Nick Oson, 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert. Have you noticed the uh, the 24-7 guys are getting a lot more CBS dot com mm-hmm. hits or whatever because they own twenty four seven correct yep so with the, yeah their twenty four hour network yeah, yeah those guys popping on and filling out that day that's where ha- that's Hassel's yes home exactly yep good stuff all right we'll take a time out we'll come back we'll talk to the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs his normal uh, season long spot Wednesdays at eleven fifty Mitch Holtus is next Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three bets off. Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The long wait's almost over. Uh, tomorrow night, the Detroit Lions will take on the Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, as another year of NFL football gets underway. The voice of the Kansas City Chiefs is Mitch Holtis, sponsored every single week by our friends over at Papa John's, the Donaldsons, Papa John's in Central Iowa. Mitch, Trent, and Ken, first of all, thank you again for what you do for us in the month of August. I love those daily hits, so thank you for those. On to the season we go, and I guess you know where the first question is going to be. <laughs> What's going on with oh, yeah. 87? Well, it's a uh, wait and see. Of course, if people don't know, you guys probably talked about it this morning already, but um, with Travis Kelsey, a hyperextended knee, 
Uh, Coach Reed gave that information out yesterday. And the update here is it's probably going to go to a game-time decision uh, to see if they can calm down. It had been swelling up. Uh, later indication was there was no ligament damage. So, again, it's a, it's a bit of a waiting game. Here's what we can say about facts here. Travis Kelsey's been a war horse uh, in what he has done for this team over nine seasons is unparalleled in National Football League history for a tight end. Uh, he's only missed three games in those nine years. Now, his rookie year, Ken, was 2013. He only played in one game, the opening game. He was on kickoff coverage, I believe, Jeez. or kickoff return, <laughs> got injured and then missed the whole year. But he has only missed three games in the nine years since. Two of those were held out because of coaches' decisions because the Chiefs had already wrapped up their position in the playoffs and couldn't move. The other one was COVID. He had COVID uh, in 2021 in a December 26th game that he missed, but the Chiefs won 36-21 over the Steelers. So he has been durable. He has been an iron man, but the Chiefs have to get ready to play tomorrow night, perhaps without uh, the best tight end to ever play in Travis Kelsey. They have to make those preparations. What does the tight end position look like, and how much does this alter the game plan if ultimately Kelsey can't play? Truthfully, it alters the game plan nada. Uh, it, mm. You now have to, if he cannot play, and let's put a big giant F on that mm. and italicize it, Trent, because we don't know, and I think we will not know until 90 minutes before kickoff tomorrow night. Um, but honestly, this is where I try to emanate to you guys during these reports where, again, you cannot, I mean, to take Travis Kelsey out of the puzzle is it would be insane to think that, oh, my gosh, you're going to be just fine. But it doesn't change the game plan. If they have to plug in a tight end, remember there's elevation still. You can have two elevations. It's the old COVID rules that were kept in place. If the Chiefs have to replace Kelsey at tight end, Matt Bushman probably would be that guy. But it doesn't change the game plan. Bushman can run every game or play that they've got and did so during training camp and during the spring and summer and even some in the preseason games. So again, it's not to be calloused about it, but the game plan doesn't change. It's the people running the game plan that do. Uh, but again, the volume of this offense is, is actually there to absorb the loss of any one player uh, although we know that it's, you know, the caliber of Kelsey's unmatched. How difficult is it, Mitch, to, um, to, to, to play the team like the Lions, the team that, you know, is in a different conference. You don't see them a lot. Last time you saw them, I'm guessing the roster's significantly different. The, the arrow on the team seems to be pointing up. How difficult would it be to prepare for the Lions? Well, there's a lot of new uh, things with the Lions, uh, and they're an upstart team, many picking them to win the NFC North, as would I, at least on September the 6th. Uh, there's a lot to like about this team, looking at it from afar. It mostly has been the culture change. Let's just be honest. They have not won a playoff game in 34 seasons. Mm-hmm. They've not won the division in 31 years. Uh, they, only, they have a 1-12 playoff record since the Super Bowl began in 1966. That's by far the worst of any teams that's existed that long. But the culture's starting to change. They won eight of the last ten games last year. Now, they got David Montgomery. Here you go, Iowa State Cyclone star, who was very productive for Matt Nagy, our offensive coordinator in Chicago. And now he's part of a 
two-headed monster, if you will, uh, with Jameer Gibbs, the laser-fast former Alabama rookie uh, who can be a real threat in the uh, passing and running game. But then you've got Amon Ross St. Brown. And, and Amon Ross St. Brown is right now, he's tied, I should say, 196 receptions, you guys, in his first two seasons. That's tied to the all-time NFL record for receivers in the first two years uh, with Michael Thomas and with Justin Jefferson. So it tells you what's coming in here tomorrow night to play the Chiefs. Well, one guy, Kelsey, we have questionable. The other one we know won't be there, and that is Chris Jones. All systems go, just going out there and anticipating they're not going to have Jones with them. What's kind of inside the, the locker room right now, the thought process on him? Well, you know, we thought, gosh, I mean, I thought, it. you guys asked me throughout training camp, and I truthfully was thinking he could roll in any time. And the fact that on September the 6th he's not here is uh, perplexing. We'll just leave it at that. Now, your question about, I think Ken's a question or your question about the game plan changing without Kelsey mm-hmm. is a little bit different when you don't have Chris Jones. On the defensive side, a little bit different. Now, there's a volume of defense there, schemes and personnel, and but they're going to Steve Spagnola can be very creative. He's going to have to be creative tomorrow night against the Lions without a Chris Jones. You've got to stop the run. I mentioned Montgomery. You've got to stop the passing game with Gibbs. Here's an Iowa Hawkeye and Sam Laporta, uh, another Iowa tight end being cranked out, who's who's a really good player. But I'm on Ross St. Brown becomes the guy that you have to somehow corral. And he's just a, such a high productive receiver, 74 catch percent catch radius, or I should say um, catch effectiveness. This is a good Lion team. But you guys talked about tough to play a team you don't see often. The Chiefs have won 16 consecutive games against NFC teams. Jeez. Um, honestly, it goes the other way. And, and that was without Mahomes because he was hurt. They lost to the uh, Green Bay Packers back in 2019. Their last loss to an NFC team with Mahomes was in December of 2018 on the road to the Seattle Seahawks. Here's another interesting note on Jared Goff. We haven't talked about him, the Lion quarterback. Last year, Goff had 23 touchdowns and three interceptions at home. On the road, he had six touchdowns and four picks. That 23 difference in divergence is the most in NFL history for a quarterback of being so good at home and being mediocre on the road. Uh, the music's going to play. Let's talk about the Donaldson's, Papa John's, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, all great pizza nights. PapaJohns.com. I mean, this is a huge Donaldson weekend, and it starts tomorrow night. So what I would do, everybody, because everybody's going to be watching this game, it's the first one, is early and go online at PapaJohns.com, but plan this out. Do not wait because tomorrow night will be one of the busiest nights of the year for the Donaldsons. They're going to get you the good pizza. They're going to have it there. It's good stuff. But plan ahead, everybody. But make it a Papa John's night and lid the uh, take the lid lifter. Here we go for the entire NFL schedule. And we'll plan to talk to you next Wednesday. Thank you, Mitch Holtis. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, as we take a look at the defending Super Bowl champs. Hour two next. We'll start with Scott Dockerman on the Hawks. David Kaplan uh, will head to Chicago. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.